for as long as, as humans have been around, we have been people of story. Welcome to Warfare of Art and Law, the podcast that focuses on how justice does or doesn't play out when art and law overlap. Hi everyone, it's Stephanie, and that was Jeremy Richter, attorney, author, and co-host of the podcast The Right Approach, done under his pen name, J.W. Judge. In the following conversation, Mr. Richter shares what drew him to pursue work in the legal and creative field simultaneously, and how he uses the power of story to create work like his dark fantasy series, The Zowbury Chronicles, and his most recent novel, Casual Business with Fairies. Jeremy Richter, welcome to Warfare of Art and Law. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Would you start with giving an overview of your legal and creative endeavors? Yeah, so um, in, in my day job, I have a commercial litigation practice with Gordon Reese in Birmingham, Alabama, where when people ask me, um, you know, what kind of litigation, I never know really how to answer that because from one day to the next is is so different from uh, the way our office works is we're one of the smaller offices in a national firm. And so whenever a partner anywhere in the country has a client that has something that pops up in Alabama, um, we get it. And so with 1,100 lawyers, I just never know what that is going to look like. Um, And then, you know, as far as the creative endeavors, I write novels and uh, host a podcast under the pen name J.W. Judge, and I think we have on our slate of things to talk about why I, why I've adopted a pen name and kept that a little bit separate, although it's not any kind of secret. Well, since you've already broached the subject, would you discuss your arc towards uh, writing fiction, writing nonfiction for uh, your legal practice, and then also uh, then branching off to fiction and deciding to have a pen name to, to separate the two. Yeah. So I started practicing in 2012 and was hired at the firm that I started with primarily, primarily to work with one particular lawyer doing almost exclusively trucking defense litigation and did that very steadily for three and a half or four years. And then he lost a couple of clients, like things just, I don't know what happened. Things happened. And so a lot of that work dried up and I, (laughs) I had some extra time on my hands. Um, And at the same time, I was looking forward and trying to figure out how to create my own practice. The lawyer I was working for, he is a very, gregarious, outgoing person who loves going to conferences and interacting with people. And just, he was an extrovert and very like that charged him up to engage with other people. And I am not an extrovert and I find those kinds of things. I can do them. I can do it for a few days, but when it's done, I want to like, you know, crawl into a corner and not interact with humans for a while. And I need to recharge And I would much rather be reading a book somewhere or writing one. Um, And so I decided that as I'm looking 
in the future and want to create my own practice, what can I do that is sustainable marketing and branding for me? And for me, that's writing. Um, before I went to law school, I was a history major in college and taught high school history and got a master's degree in history. So there was a lot of writing involved already. And it's just something I enjoyed and something that I knew that I could do well. And so I, back in 2016, I started a law blog where I wrote about insurance defense related topics, things that were affecting um, you know, Alabama Supreme Court decisions, 11th Circuit decisions that were coming through and affecting my clients and doing that to create and establish some expertise and some social proof and you know, just get my name out there. I uh, started speaking and presenting at smaller conferences and then a couple of larger conferences on these topics that I was establishing my expertise. Um, that law blog I eventually transitioned for away from essentially briefing cases to writing about case management and, and client management and law practice management topics from the perspective of a middle year associate who is figuring these things out as I go. And I never, I was always clear that I don't want to pretend like I'm some guru who has figured all of this stuff out. I am making plenty of mistakes and I can share some of those with you and try and flatten that learning curve a little bit for younger lawyers who were coming up behind me. And so that eventually led to my first book that was published through the American Bar Association. Um, and then a second and third book that I decided to publish on my own because I wanted creative control over everything. And I had a great experience with the ABA, but I wanted more control and I wanted to be in control of the entire process for better or worse. If it did well, I was in control of that. And if it did poorly, then that was entirely on my, you know, on my shoulders. That was my fault. So um, that first book came out in 2018 and then a second and third in each of the following years, all about law practice stuff. But during that uh, 2018 and 2019, I was, there was a lot of creativity going into the blog, but there was also, I had written a lot of poetry in my teenage years and 20, you know, in my twenties. And most of it was not any good, but that was a part of me that um, I enjoyed that kind of expression and was kind of longing for that again. So I had some stories that I wanted to tell and started off writing a couple of novels that um, I got about 20,000 words into the first one and realized I don't really know enough to tell this story yet and shelved it and started writing another one and got about 20,000 words into it. And I, I, it's a good story at its core, but I wasn't telling it in the best way. And so I just kind of shelved all that for a while. And, and this is an extraordinarily long answer. So um in August of 2020, um, a series of just like strange events resulted in me writing what would be the first novel that I finished. And I started it at the end of August of 2020 and 
finished it three and a half months later, which is still the fastest that I've written any book. And so that was my first novel. And my fourth one is coming out in um, on May 2nd. Just to, to go back to the 20,000 word projects that you started, one of them is a family story, right? And I heard, I've heard you talk about the research for that. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to go into any of that. Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. So, I mean, we, I did not know about this like dark family history until I was, I don't know, maybe even in my 30s. Uh, my dad's side of the family, there was just like not a lot of family and there wasn't ever any discussion about it, but it wasn't weird because there never had been any discussion about it. It's just one of those things like, I don't know, it just never came up. And so as after I was in my 30s, I learned that my grandfather's father had killed his estranged wife and himself. And that had happened while this was in 1940. It happened while my grandfather was away at a uh, civilian I forget, a CCC camp. It was part of the Eisenhower administration to create jobs for young men during the depression um, because there just weren't a lot of jobs and we were still, we hadn't gotten involved in world war two yet. So he was away that happens. And I also did a bunch of research into my like, I don't third or fourth great grandfather who immigrated over from Germany and is the patriarch for that side of the family and just had in mind to tell this story about that family history and tiled those things together. And I still think like I will at some point come back to that story um, because I know I have enough experience now that I think I could tell that story. But telling something so I mean, in a way, it was personal because it's in my family, but it was also not that personal because it's people that I, I didn't know and, you know. But I didn't have enough to tell that story. I didn't know how to tell that story. And so I, it's still sitting in a, a word processing document, just waiting for one day to me go back to it. But um, I haven't done that yet. And we'll see what I do. I, I really want to tell that story. But I don't know. It just hadn't been the right time yet. I wonder too, like uh, the research that you did for the second book in your uh, trilogy involves a, a space that you'd never been in before. Uh, you know, different different things that are to me what would be challenging about writing historical works, piecing together all the documents that you find in archives, and then creating a world that you want to make sure is accurate and does justice to the individuals. It's all so many moving parts. Yeah. And, you know, I would not have guessed, and maybe I should have known better, how much research actually goes into writing fiction. And so you mentioned that, that second, um, second book. And the second book in my trilogy is called Seeking Sanctuary. And it is set in this small town in the Black Forest of Germany. So I thought what I would do to just get, because <laughs> when you tell a, a novel, it's really important, or when you write a novel, to have that specificity that lets people, readers, connect to the place. And having never been there, I thought what I would do is just use 
Google Maps and Google Earth and Google Street View um, to be able to virtually walk through this town and all the little places in it. What I didn't know is that German privacy laws disallow Google Street View. And so you can't do that in Germany like you can in the United States and almost everywhere else in Europe. Uh, but, but at that point, I was committed to this place. Um, and it made it really interesting. And, it, and I think it ended up working out pretty well. And another thing, I when I started writing that story, did not have an antagonist picked out. And I knew that, like, I, I've got to figure this out. But I didn't have that sorted out. And I, I wrote several chapters into the book, not really knowing who the antagonist was going to be or how that was going to unfold. And so I started doing research about this town and this area and totally by happenstance. Um, and this town in 1960, there was a serial killer who came through and killed a number of women and committed a bunch of sexual crimes. And as soon as I read and he got caught and he spent the rest of his life and died in prison. But as soon as I came across that, I was like, oh, holy cow, I can't believe that like this is the town that I picked, that this is happening. And it immediately gave me my antagonist and an opportunity to tie in that dark part of their history into the story in a way that just it made it all just come together. And it was it was a really cool experience. Yeah. When when research opens up like that, you have to think this was meant to be. <laughs> no doubt. I, you know, writing as dark a story as that was, I don't want to attribute it to divine providence or anything of that nature, because I think, you know, God's like, hey, you can leave me out of this one. Um, but yeah, I certainly felt like it was that was that was meant to be. So that kind of segues for me, uh, just all of what we've been talking about into your current podcast. You know, you've had the Lawyerpreneur podcast for a few years, and now you're doing The Right Approach. Such interesting topics that you cover, and uh, everything from the craft of writing to whether you should have a pen name. Yeah, well, thank you. First, thank you. Um, but so... In March of 2020, I started my first podcast, Lawyerpreneur. And, you know, that I started it because I had a book idea that I wanted to write about lawyers who are doing entrepreneurial work. And some of them in within their law practices, others are law adjacent, and then others are lawyers who have gotten out of the practice of law and are doing other things altogether. Um and I had that idea for a long time. I never did anything with it. And finally, you know, the pandemic hit and we were just trying to figure out what was happening in the world. And I was like, well, this is a moment that I can force myself to have these conversations with people. And by doing it in the form of a podcast, people will be interested in, in talking with me about it. Um, and also, it, it gives me a platform and a reason to do it and puts me on a schedule. So I did that podcast for almost two and a half years. Um, had, you know, 60 something interviews with other lawyers. And then ultimately it just kind of ran its course for me. And, you know, we're three years later and I still haven't written that book. Um, although I, every time I thought I knew how to structure it, 
it I it never felt like the right way to do it. A few months ago, we were actually we were sitting in church one Sunday morning, and I hadn't thought about that book idea in a very long time. I just kind of decided this isn't going to happen. And then it just kind of came together in several like subparts of how I could structure that book in a natural way and have it all flow together. And so um, we'll see after I finish the novel that I'm working on right now, which is my fifth novel and I'm almost halfway done with the first draft. We will see if I still want to write it. Uh, I know what it would look like now, I think. And so um, we'll see if I end up coming back around to that, but I really, even though I was ready to sunset, that podcast in August of 2022, I really like the format of podcasting. And, you know, by then I was a year and a half or so into the novel writing. I don't know if I'll call it a career, but at least into writing novels um, and trying to sell them more importantly. Um, And so I don't have time, you know, between family and work to go to conferences all over the place and meet authors and, you know, do that kind of marketing. But what I can do is I know how to podcast. I feel like I do a pretty good job of interviewing people. Thanks in no small part to hundreds and hundreds of depositions before I ever had a podcast. So um, I was not new to asking questions of people and eliciting answers. And so, you know, in a very selfish way, the podcasts are are for me to be able to meet new people and learn from people who are at the top of their game, whether it's the craft of writing now or the business of writing or before it was lawyers who were doing really interesting things. You know, I want to learn from these people and that's how I can sit down and have a conversation with them and do that and provide that information to other people as well. And, you know, I think it's been a lot of fun. I've met some incredible people who I otherwise never would have had the opportunity to have met and have made relationships and and friendships that have lasted, which is something that I did not anticipate when I started it, is the relationships that would come out of it. Um, And that's just been really interesting Um, and really interesting and unexpected the first time around. Um, the second time around, I've expected it, but people's generosity with their time and expertise and information has and never ceases to just be really cool. And you have such a great dynamic with your co-host. Yeah. So Barb, uh, Barbara Hensky is a retired lawyer. She was an in-house lawyer for a long time. And toward the end of her legal career, she started writing women's fiction. And she's very humble about it and doesn't talk about her incredible success, but she is super successful and has a second book that is, has been um, optioned for a movie that looks like it's going to be made. And, um, you know, we met because I heard her on a podcast. I don't know, in 2021, maybe a podcast that I was listening to for authors. I heard an interview with her and reached out And she was on Lawyerpreneur and we stayed in touch after that. She helped me with a number of things. And so when I got ready to launch this new podcast, I wanted a co-host to help carry that burden. Um, And yeah, it couldn't have worked out better. It's it's been really great. One of the guests that you and Barbara interviewed, I think it was 
Martin Tomlinson. One of the things he mentioned was his use uh, of AI. And then I've also heard you talk about AI. And I was just curious, it's not something that I intended to bring up with you, but if you'd like to speak about it, uh, between he was referencing um, book covers, I believe, and then I think you've talked about um, maybe when you create your book blurbs, at least using uh, AI as a tool to get a perspective on your book blurb. So would you just kind of describe what you think of uh, its overtaking of our world? Yeah, I mean, it is the next, I don't know, 18 months or so are going to be super interesting to see how all of this comes out and what effects it has on copyright and you know how those laws change to deal with this new technology because right now the technology is ahead of the legal system and we've got to figure out what to do about it. And I am definitely not an intellectual property lawyer. And so I am not the person to speak about that. Um, So on the legal side, I would caution anybody to rely on it too heavily or use it too extensively for anything you intend to publish, because it may be decided that you don't have any ownership of it if it was created by or derived from AI. Um, And so, you know, that's something I'm being cognizant of, but, you know, even just the other day, I'll I'll give you an example. I had a, the blurb for one of my books on Amazon and I wanted to see, you know, I have messed with it over years of just trying to make it better and more appealing to a reader. And so I went to chat GPT and said, you know, here's the blurb. Can you improve it? And it gave me, it gave me a rewrite of it that caused me to look at some wording in different ways than I had considered before. It's not something at this point that I think you could or should adopt wholesale, but it can change wording in ways that I hadn't considered before um, that are maybe more concise or just phrased differently that can give you a different perspective on how to get work done. And then on the imaging side of the images that it can create, it it continues to evolve. I mean, I think they have just announced the release of Chat GPT four. Chat GPT three has only been out for about eighteen months, and Chat GPT four is supposed to be like ten times more powerful um, than the other one. So all of this is evolving incredibly quickly. It's going to become a significant part of our lives. I mean, I've already heard about particularly freelance writers, like copywriters and editors and people who have lost their jobs because they have clients who have decided this is good enough. Like it's not as good as a human can do yet, but it's good enough. And the cost savings are so significant um, that it's going to have a significant effect on jobs. I don't, you know, I'm not an economist. I don't know what all that's going to look like, but it's certainly, you know, the next several years are going to be really interesting to see what the effect is. And I think it's going to be tremendous, not necessarily tremendously good, just significant. Would you consider or have you used AI to even explore ideas for your book covers? I don't know if I would do it. So I haven't done it for the covers, 
I don't know if I would do it for the covers because I don't own those images and I don't know, you know, I don't know how all that's going to play out, but what I have done is played with it to create images as I'm exploring concepts and brainstorming and trying to get an idea of what a place, you know, especially so this, the fourth book that's coming out in a couple of weeks is called casual business with fairies. And it's this really strange book. Um, and part of it is set in another world. And so I would just put in uh, prompts in the image generator just to kind of give me an idea of, you know, just, just playing with things and creating visual impressions. And so I've used it for that purpose. I haven't really used it for anything that I would put out as a like finished product. And then you mentioned that you do have another book project that you're in the midst of now. Do you want to share any about that? Yeah. So uh, my fifth novel that I'm writing right now, I think of it as like, if, if Castaway by Tom Hanks met with a contemporary murder mystery, that's what this book is. And, you know, it, like my first book, this one came out of a really strange dream that I had. And, um, and so, you know, it's about a group of people who are on a business trip on a private plane and the plane crashes and the survivors are on this Island in the Caribbean. And one by one, they start disappearing and they're trying to figure out what happens before they're all gone. So, um, it's been a really fun story to tell. I'm about halfway through it. I started it on January 1st. And so hoping to finish it in the next two and a half, three months, ideally. And um, yeah, so we'll see. That's the plan. You also have kind of, uh, you already touched on this, but the uh, publishing aspect, you have, is it Scarlet Oak Press that you began? Yeah. And uh, could you kind of just uh, share a bit about that? Because you are also uh, not just producing your own books, but books by other attorneys. Yeah. So when I decided to do my own publishing, I created a publishing imprint, Scarlet Oak Press, to print, you know, to do all that under. And then I guess it was toward the end of 2020, um, somebody that I knew through an internet chat group with just lawyers. Um, Becky Lee, she's an intellectual property lawyer. I saw her post on LinkedIn that she had this idea for a children's book. And so I sent her a private message and said, hey, you know, like, I'm super interested in this, you know, tell me about it. And so she shared it with me. And um, a friend of hers that she used to be in a band with was an illustrator. And we got him lined up and I published, you know, this children's book for her about introducing copyright and trademark and, you know, intellectual property ideas to kids and what they are and what they mean. And um, so we did that book and it's called, do you draw pictures? And then we did a second book together uh, introducing kids to the idea of what a contract is. And that one's called, should we shake on it? We're talking about doing a third book. Um, and then on April 25th, Claire Parsons, who is a lawyer in Cincinnati, uh, 
who has a, a huge LinkedIn presence and has her own writing blog and has written a book. She also uh, reached out to me knowing that I had done that, that she had a children's book idea because she does a lot of focus and attention on mindset and meditation about introducing those ideas um, to kids. And so she had written a poem and we created a book. She hired an illustrator and that book is called Mommy Needs a Minute. So yeah, I've had the opportunity to help some other lawyers get their creative work into the world and into the marketplace and to, you know, sell it and make it available to people. And, you know, that's something that I'm not making myself widely available for, but in those circumstances, it has made a lot of sense for us to partner up to do that. And so that's something that I have done, am doing, and, you know, we'll continue to explore kind of on a case-by-case basis going forward. Are you also considering using traditional publishing again, or are you sticking with the indie publishing? Yeah. So, you know, when I started with my nonfiction stuff, I didn't, I didn't know enough to publish on my own. I mean, I think I could have figured it out, but going through the ABA to publish it was the right move for me in the moment. And that I, you know, enjoyed the people I worked with. Um, But now that I'm, you know, this will be my ninth book that I'm writing now. I think I lost track. I think it's my ninth book. Um, and, you know, I have somewhat of an audience, a smaller audience for the fiction stuff than for the nonfiction. And so I'm, you know, I am considering and exploring trying to sell this fifth novel, you know, get an agent, sell it to a traditional publisher uh, because it it's a pretty commercial mainstream kind of book and you know they can I'm doing it for very particular business reason they can help me reach audiences that I couldn't otherwise reach um, it's not just like I want to be published by one of the big four it's I have reasons to do it if I were able to get an offer on a contract that that made sense and helped me achieve, Um, some of these other business goals that I have, then that would make it worthwhile. But, um, you know, that's a, that's a long road to hoe. Uh, We'll see if I have the patience to actually follow through on that or not. And, but yeah, it's something I'm looking at. I mean, I think everybody's got to make the decision about what's the best business decision for themselves and kind of make that on a project by project basis. Um, In fact, just this week, we, Barbara and I on the right approach interviewed an author named um, Alessandra Torre who writes suspense novels and she had incredible success as an indie author and made decisions to go with traditional publishers on a case by case basis for a while, just based on those business principles. And so I think it, it speaks to this a lot and I think it's the way it's the right way to look at it. How have your business goals as far as your writing and podcasting and and even lawyering, perhaps it's all just, uh, they're so intertwined. How have they evolved and and where do you see things going? So uh, the lawyering has been steady. Um, The business side of writing, my, (laughs) I'm a very ambitious person. Like, uh, and so my ambitions are, 
far exceed my grasp at the moment. And so I'm trying not to get too far ahead of that. I mean, if any, you can go to my Amazon like sales ranks and look and see like, okay, those are not incredible sales. Um, but what I'm trying to do is like, sure, I would love that to be better. Um, but I'm trying to build a body of work that can be successful over a long period of time and explore things that are working and ideas that work and don't work and, and figure all of it out. And so um, it hasn't been like some incredible financial boon. I'm not retiring from the practice of law anytime, um, but it is, it is filling that creative well for me. Um, and, you know, it's creating intellectual property that I own and will own for, you know, my lifetime and, and beyond and creating a legacy that I want my kids to be able to look at and say, you can, you can have your job and your career and your profession, and you can also do these other things that you love and are passionate about and that bring you joy. And so, you know, as much as I would love to have bestsellers, there are other parts of it that are significant and important to me as well. But you'd probably expect somebody who doesn't have bestsellers uh, to qualify it by saying those things too. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's sending such a message that having these many pursuits, if it's a passion of yours, it shouldn't just be assumed that you can't do it because you have a full-time job doing something else. And I think that's a really important message. Yeah. And, and you know, I recognize that, you know, there are, there are people who want to do these kinds of things and there's, it's not the kind of time in their life where they can do it. Um, and I am privileged to be able to have the time to dedicate to it. And I make time for it and it's very intentional. Um, and so I, I don't, I try not to, I try to be cognizant of that, that I do have that privilege and not everybody's in a situation where they do. One question just to kind of uh, close things out that I try to ask on this podcast is different perspectives on justice. And and if you have uh, any thoughts on how you view justice or how it has evolved for you. Um, yeah, I, that's a really tough question. And I will say that on a very personal level, having kids <laughs> gives you like this perspective on what justice is like, even, you know, day to day trying to balance discipline um, and mercy and compassion, you know, in a way that <laughs> 10 years ago, I didn't have to do. Um, and then, you know, you have a second kid and you have this other dynamic and, and, you know, one of the things that I really think societally that we have been missing, you know, for really for several years is a willingness to be compassionate toward other people and give people the benefit of the doubt. And I think that goes a long way because we have so much anonymity, you know, on social media where you can go out and say whatever you want to whomever you want. And you don't have to look those people in the face and be compassionate and answer for those things. And so, you know, I can't change the world, but what I can do is try to be you know, compassionate toward my kids, towards their friends who are coming over and playing at our house, towards the you know the baseball team that I'm helping coach, and to just be an example of 
treating others with kindness and fairness, regardless of, you know, socioeconomic status or race or gender. Like, let's treat each other in these ways. And it's, I know, I know maybe that's too simple, but that's what I feel like right now that I can do. There will be links in the show notes to learn more about Jeremy Richter and his work. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be much appreciated if you could leave a rating or review and tag Warfare Barton Law Podcast. Until next time, this is Stephanie Drotty bringing you Warfare of Barton Law. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. What are your plans for the second Saturday of this month? Perhaps consider joining in for a discussion about art, culture, and social issues. Hi everyone, it's Stephanie, and every second Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, I host the Second Saturday Art and Justice Gathering, an online call that explores a range of topics, from artists who might inspire to legal decisions that might infuriate all with the aim of sparking dialogue about social justice and promoting creative thinking. If interested, please email me at stephanie at warfareofartandlaw.com.